We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? We're up to free agency. I'm excited. <laughs> I've been dying to start some of these. Obviously, Nets season didn't end well, so we need to look at new additions for this squad. We're going to do free agency series, jump into some trade stuff, some more regular offseason pods. But today, we start with guard targets for free agency. Jack, before we get started, quick reminder, you can find us on all streaming platforms. But where do we start? Nick, I reckon we start with the guys that are currently on the Nets roster and where they stand in relation to free agency. Nick, you've done a heap of research on this. I've got a couple of different links open. Go through it for me. Where's Patty? Where's Goran? Where's Seth? Where's these sort of guys, Cam Thomas? Yeah, so obviously we got to start with who's under contract, who's definitely going to be you know, under contract moving into the next NBA year. We have Seth Curry, Cam Thomas, and Joe Harris. And then we have the Nets free agent guards. Kyrie Irving obviously has a player option. Goran Dragic, unrestricted free agent. Bruce Brown, unrestricted free agent. Patty Mills, also with a player option. David Duke Jr., a restricted free agent. So we got three for sure going into the new year. Doesn't mean they'll be on the team by the start of the season. And then obviously, you know, Kyrie Irving seems like a lock. Pretty confident Patty's going to be back. What are your thoughts on Gorn and Bruce Brown, Jack? Look, Bruce Brown has been talking a little bit on, on Instagram and such, and he, he seems to be wanting to get that back, which it only takes one team, but I'm not sure what that team will be. And I think that the Nets are in the best position for him personally to be able to garner some semblance of a payday. So I think that we've spoken about Bruce Brown at length, so listen to some previous episodes for that. Um, plenty of stuff in the archives about Bruce. Goran we haven't really touched on a little bit. And I think his status is interesting because – I think he's more likely to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fact that Steve Nash is being retained is going to sway Goran more positively to maybe want to kick around for a little bit. And I do like him not just as a player, but as a leader within that locker room that I think can provide a, a steady force, a steady head, and, and an accountability. So, And I also do think that during the playoffs, he was he had moments where he was just like one of our best guards, if yep. not our best guard, you know, outside of Kyrie Irving in, in and spurts so i'd love to to retain goran dragic and obviously patty mills is on the player option so it's going to be interesting to see because the nets do need to prioritize a semblance of size so they're going to have to probably let some of these guys go or use them in sort of trades but in terms of free agency if you wanted to get a guy back 
that's going to be, you know, maybe 9 to 11 and can maybe chip in with a couple of minutes here or there in the postseason. I think Goran Dragic, you could do worse. Obviously, he is aging, you know, mid to late 30s. He's closer to now. So that's something to keep an eye on. But what he showed in this year's postseason, he's still got something to give. Yeah, I mean, he had some really big moments. It was, what, one of those second quarters in Boston where he really just went off, couldn't really miss any shot. Obviously, uh, new assistant coach Igor has a relationship with Goran as well. Potentially, maybe could sway him to come back. Obviously, I think the Nets would love to have a backup point guard that's more of your traditional type, similar to Goran, somebody who come in, run the show, especially with you know the health status of Ben Simmons being up in the air and Kyrie you know, not functioning best as a true point guard. I think you know even if they were to lose Goran, they'd probably look to fill that role. And like you said, with Bruce, is, you know, if he does want to get paid, you know, it could be with the Nets. It could be in a sign-and-trade scenario. There aren't many teams out there that seem attractive to Bruce Brown with cap space. So it seems like it'd be more likely, you know, a sign-and-trade potentially. And not to say Bruce is going to garner the Nets a ton of stuff, but at the very least, you know, trying to grab a low-level player or even a second-round pick could be very helpful. Yeah, the rumors of $19 million <laughs> seem to be growing some, gaining some fervor around, you know, John Hollinger and those sort of types. And I'm just like, really? Who who else is going to give him that money? So it gives the Nets a, a semblance of, you know, power in, in the bargaining when it comes to his free agency and obviously Nick Claxton's free agency. Um, Paddy Mills, again, the player option. Goran Dragic, you know, it, it's up to him. You know, his future will be up to him. Kyrie Irving was spoken about at length also, but... I think it'll be interesting to see how it pans out, but the Nets will need to get a bit of size. Yeah, and you know, like we've mentioned on previous shows, Bruce will probably get closer to the mid-level exception rather than the 19 million. Obviously, you're trying to, you know, posture yourself to get a big contract or kind of set the tone. And obviously, like you said, one team can change all that. Jack, any concern with Patty Mills? Do you think there's potential of him opting out and looking for a new deal, or do you think he wants to stay with the Nets? Obviously, ties to Sean Marks, but also ties to Ben Simmons. Yeah, I think if. We saw him also hanging out with – we saw photos. I think Nets Kingdom probably posted it, you know, him hanging out with Steve Nash, having a yep. coffee and whatever. I think Paddy Mills, we, the mo- the recency bias in your head is just like, man, Paddy was awful. You know, he's going to be unplayable in the playoffs. And, look, he is going to be borderline unplayable in the playoffs. But if you're asking for maybe like a, a Peyton Pritchard sort of role, some sort of mini sort of spark plug off the bench, you know, we've seen guys that – and we've seen him contribute in meaningful postseasons if the team is much better constructed and if he isn't playing the most minutes of his goddamn career throughout yep. the regular season. So I think he will opt into that player contract because of the reasons you alluded to, Nick. The ties to Sean Marks, he, you know, he chose to come to Brooklyn in last year's free agency. Ben Simmons and him seem to have a really strong relationship. And I think he just enjoys Brooklyn and, and the culture over there as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's likely to opt in as well. You know, I'm not sure what he'd garner on the open market. There is also potential of him opting out and then re-signing with the Nets for a little bit bigger deal. That's always an option, obviously, because he's played the one year here, can get that increase. But also, it gives the Nets a little bit of luxury, too, when, you know, we get into some of the trade stuff later on. If you do have Seth, Joe, and Patty, now you have three great three-point shooters. You feel a little bit better about potentially trading one of those guys. Obviously, you know, Seth and Joe probably have a little bit more value. But like you said, you could find the right role for Patty, especially in spurts in the postseason. He's not necessarily going to be someone you want to depend on, but he could definitely have stretches and knock down a couple threes. So with all that said, Jack, what needs do the Nets have at the guard position, if any? I think it's more a de- of a defensive sort of guard to make up for the weaknesses that Kyrie Irving has, Nick. Mm-hmm. You know, and we've sort of said that Kyrie Irving can be a good defender, and he has shown that he can be a good defender. But that, that inconsistency and what he showed in the postseason and what he's shown in a lot of postseasons, bar 
some games, some moments here or there, is that he's a bad defender. He's below mm-hmm. average. Whereas you get a, a Gary Harris, a DeLon Wright, or these sort of guys, you can't have Kyrie Irving and Paddy Mills next to each other. Kyrie Irving, Goran Dragic, maybe. Kyrie Irving and Seth Curry, absolutely not. You can't give the defense. We're seeing this postseason, you know, guys just get hunted relentlessly. You know, all you need is one guy. And you know, if you have two, you're going to be destroyed. And that's how the Nets were destroyed because they had so many guys that you could just mismatch hunt to death. And the Nets normally like to do that to the opposition teams. So they can't you know, preach, you know, what they want to do to another yep. team and then have it preached upon them. So I think that what the guys that we have discussed, one has to be gone in some similar to another, Nick, whether it's in this offseason – by the trade deadline, you can't have five guys that are six four, six three, and under as key parts of your rotation. Bruce Brown, I think, plays bigger, and I I will class him more as a shooting guard, small forward. But Patty's a point guard, Goran's a point guard, Seth Curry is a point guard size, but he's a shooting guard. So yeah. it's about balancing that. And all of them, a shred of them, you put all of them together, you've got a good defender. With Bruce Brown, obviously, you have an above-average defender. But the other small guys that we were sort of touching on, you need a bit more size and defense. So Bruce Brown can't be your best defender at the point of attack. Well, he can be, but if there's another guy there, it, it, they just need to get a, a bit more balance there. They're just, there's a, it, there is a lack of that right now. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Jack. Obviously, a lot of small guards in this team. And I think that's where when you get into the free agency and you look at some of the guard stuff, maybe you're open to a little bit more creativity than you initially think just because there is a chance, you know, Cam Thomas has moved. There is a chance Seth Curry's moved. There's a chance Joe Harris has moved. Or even potentially, like you said, some of the guys that are re-signed, maybe they're traded at the deadline. So I think you have to go into free agency with an open mind. I don't think you're going to push a big asset to the guard position, but also I don't think you want to rule out a skill set of a good player just because you have someone else like that on your roster. And obviously, you know, if they lose Dragic, they're going to probably look for a traditional backup point guard or somebody who can run the show a little bit at the guard position. Like you said, Jack, a point of attack defender, I think that even goes up a little bit higher if they do lose Bruce Brown. And then I think, like you've talked about, it's just like, Depth in having real two guards, like real two guard bodies. We're talking six, six, four, six, five, six, six, a little bit more wiry, just some length to them, just like your prototypical two guard you have in your head. And like I said, if you trade Cam or you trade Seth, maybe there is an opportunity to sign another shooter down the line. And in terms of tools they have to acquire these players, you know, taxpayer mid-level exception, like I said, I think I'd rather see that used on the wings. Uh, Most likely, the acquisitions at this spot are going to be veteran minimum, guys. There's a chance that it could be some trades, but we're going to jump into that in a completely different episode. So, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the potential targets we're going to talk about are just straight veteran minimum guys. Jack, who are, who's somebody that comes to mind right off rip? For me, Nick, at the top of your list, and he's probably at the top of my list, is Gary Harris. And, yeah. I, and we sort of spoke about him on episodes throughout the season, you know, heading towards buyout season. There were rumors of Gary Harris heading to the Brooklyn Nets until Orlando decided to retain him. Whatever happens with them in the offseason, it will be interesting. But Gary Harris is a good three-point shooter. He's a very... Not a very good defender. His potential to be a very good defender. You know, if he's utilized in the right well, I, I think he's a good defender at, at the very least average. He's got a good size about him. I think as a role player prototype in terms of what you get for a vet minimum, and you're looking at, okay, what salary are you getting here? Are you going to exceed that? Look, Wes Matthews is, is another guy on your list, Nick, who is basically the ideal because he's basically Bruce Brown, but taller and can shoot threes a little more reliably. And he guarded Tatum pretty goddamn well in that yep. postseason. Bruce Brown did that also, and I think that he deserves some credit for that. But Gary Harris, Wesley Matthews, those two are the guys that sort of stick out. They aren't your sort of traditional point guard playmaker types, but I think if the Nets have a more utilitarian, movement-based offensive system with Igor Kokoshkov, and like they did a little bit more with, in 2020, 2021, though that team did have James Harden, if there's increased ball movement and it allows, you know, just have you a, a spot-up defensive three-point shooter two, three tweener, I think that that would be just as important as your sort of traditional point guard, Goran Dragic type. They have to feel at least one or the other. If you're not, if your Goran Dragic leaves, you need to get a Wes Matthews, you need to get a Gary Harris, you need to get, I don't know who else is probably the, the, the other guys on the list. You've got a pretty extensive list that we'll, we'll discuss, but the two at the top, Nick, are the ones that I'm a big fan of also. Yeah, I love Gary Harris. Obviously had a bounce back year last year in Orlando has been dealing with injuries what feels like for the last three to four seasons. He's had some great stretches in Denver before the injuries. His three-point shots started to come back. And like you said, I would classify him as an above-average defender. You know, he had some good moments last year. It's obviously hard to be a great defender when you play on such a young team like Orlando. So I think in the right system, he could look a little bit better. Playing for a championship could have an impact. And he's a guy that can have a two-way impact. You know, he's not necessarily like this big dominant player, but he's a good role player to bring off the bench that you could see playing playoff minutes because he's suitable on both ends of the floor where he's not, you know, showcasing a giant weakness. And he's also a true role player, you know, somebody who understands what he's out there to do, not trying to do too much. And like you said, Wes Matthews, obviously a little bit up there in age, not sure Milwaukee's going to let him go, but he would bring, you know, some defense, some leadership, some toughness, the occasional hot game from three. 
And also just like a little bit of a mean mentality. You know, I think West plays with just the type of intensity that isn't nice. And I think the Nets could benefit for having a guy like that as well. I totally agree. I think, sorry, eating my lunch at the same time when we recorded. Double duties, double duties. Double duties for me. Gary Harris last season, I got the numbers in front of me, Nick. 11 points, two rebounds, 1.8 assists, just over 43% from the field and over 38% from three. Let me take a look at that volume. Five attempts, which is the yeah. most he's had since he's the 2017-18 season. He's also only 27 years old, heading to his age 28 season. So he's got a couple of years left in him, and he might be looking for a little bit more. So if the Nets are willing to spend a little bit, you can probably get something there for him, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, it's also you look at it from the perspective of, okay, let me go sign with a contender for one year, get my value back up, potentially win a championship, and then cash out next year because he'll only be you know 28 years old. So that's another way to look at it. Again, I probably wouldn't spend the taxpayer mid-level exception on him. You would just hope that you could get him on a veteran minimum deal, kind of similar to almost what happened last offseason with Otto Porter, you know, a guy who's trying to get his value back up in a winning situation. Like I said with Wes Matthews, kind of depending on what happens with Milwaukee. But I guess getting to some other guys, these are kind of more of combo guards that have had success in the NBA. DeLon Wright, who played some minutes for the Hawks in the playoffs, was giving them some good defense, obviously has improved from three as well. We have Austin Rivers, who's just been a combo guard at veteran minimum, what seems like the last three to four years, can step up and have big scoring outings. Not necessarily a great defender, but somebody who will play with effort, make some hustle plays, obviously has a good amount of playoff experience. Probably would prefer DeLon Wright in this situation, but... You know, beggars can't be choosers when all you have is the veteran minimum. No, exactly. And I don't. I think DeLon Wright might be out of the price range. I think he's the ideal of what you want. You know, if you've got a wish list, you know, I think DeLon Wright is the better defender out of all the names that we have mentioned here at that position. I think Wes Matthews provides you the most value in a postseason setting against wings like Jason Tatum, against LeBron James, against Giannis Antetokounmpo, these sort of guys. But I don't think he's going to be leaving. So if we're looking at realistic sort of options out of the three, I think Gary Harris makes the most sense. Also, DeLon Wright did have a bit of a down year. You know, I think that he might be looking for a change of scenery, so he might be gettable for the Nets in that sense if he's looking to play for a contender and he's to reach into his age 30 season. Age 30 season. You know, he's still shot nearly 38% from three and has been shooting around that sort of range, you know, other than the 2021 season in Detroit where he shot 35% you know, since 2019-20. So the past four seasons or so, he's a decent enough shooter in a similar sort of vein to Gary Harris. But I like the volume numbers from Gary Harris a little bit more. But I like the defense and probably steadier playmaking from Adelon Wright, who at points in his career has averaged, you know, four or five assists, which is, you know, a pretty good number. And in the net system, I think he's sort of like Goran Dragic, Gary Harris sort of combined if yep. in weird sort of ways. You sort of give them different sort of skills. So, Either I think those sort of three players, Wesley Massey obviously seems unlikely given you know his ties to, to Milwaukee, would be ideal. But if the Nets aren't to get like one of these good guards, they might have to. The realistic names might be the ones that we're we're going to chat about later because if they're you know spending some of their equity, like you alluded to in the tax MLE, um, and they you know find some vet minimum guys, it's probably going to be some of these guys that we're alluding to later on. And then you add in you know, you spend a little bit more on those wings. Uh, and going forward, and, and maybe you know the Nets are lucky to, to sign Bruce Brown to, to the MLA. We've heard that before um, from some sources around the NBA. So I think that if I'm not going to be totally unhappy if the Nets don't get Gary Harris, Wesley, Ma- Wesley Matthews, Dylan Wright, any of these sort of guys, as long as they get something upgraded at the other positions of need. Yeah, I mean, obviously, wing is going to be the biggest upgrade, and obviously, there is already a surplus of guards, and I think. 
guards are probably easier to acquire. And also, you probably want to lessen your guard load, especially in comparison to last season. You want to be kind of a more of a wing-dominant roster, especially because you have someone like Ben, who can really do a lot of the guard duties, if healthy out there, can run the show a bit. So, you know, and like you said, with DeLon Wright, interesting year. Didn't necessarily play a ton of minutes for the Hawks during the regular season, but averaged 27 a game in their five playoff games. So uh, definitely just something to kind of think about in terms of that. But now getting to some of the lesser names, you know, guys that could be a bad signing, could be a good signing. It's kind of 50-50. They do have NBA experience, but... Roddy McGruder is a Gruder is a guy that kind of came to mind. You know, we saw him have some decent moments last year. NBA veteran trying to hold on to, you know, being in the NBA, wiry defender, plays with good energy. You got Shake Milton, who has a team option with the the Sixers. Obviously, none of these guys are great players, but they can be bench players, potentially playoff players, but in most situations, not ideally. Also looking at a guy like Avery Bradley, who feels like he's been playing the NBA for so long and has kind of just done the same thing. Pesky defender that can occasionally knock down a jumper. Look, I'm disappointed you haven't mentioned my guy Chris Dunn on this list. He's been in the <laughs> he, already, he got a Nets tryout last year. <laughs> Give him another one. I want, an, I want another one. No, in, in all honesty, I think those are the more likely names if we do see Goran Dragic to leave. You know, be replaced by a, a Rodney Hood, a Tony Snell, Macklemore, Bradley, these sort of guys who, you know, can chip in during regular season moments and maybe give you some spare minutes here or there in, in junk time or whatever, but you're not going to be relying on them for, for meaningful moments when the, the games do matter. But, you know, names at the top of the list. And uh, I've always been in on Chris Dunn, Nick, you know, in terms of his defense and the size that he has, I think that that's the sort of guy, the, the prototype that you want. But, the action it's like you know what we have at home you know is you're getting the fake version of it you're getting like the the store the 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 wrong version of pop tarts you're getting like not the kellogg's pop tarts the you know the whole foods pop tarts which are all healthy and don't taste good or whatever (laughs) but i i think that ultimately this is a position that matters less because as you alluded to Kyrie Irving and, and Bruce Brown are priorities. And then, you know, Paddy Mills is likely to you know, go, uh, opt into his player option. And then Goran Dragic. You know, I think uh, if we're ranking these guys, Nick, and, and you can sort of list maybe some other names that sort of stick out to you before we say rank our top five, and, and including Goran Dragic is that because in, in that because he is an unrestricted free agent, maybe let's go through the names and then sort of do a bit of a ranking, a bit of a back and forth on what they could provide the team. Yeah, I mean, just to touch on the rest of them, obviously we mentioned uh, Avery Bradley, Ben Malcolmore. Potentially if they lose some of the shooters and they want a veteran minimum guy just for depth. Jeremy Lamb, Rodney Hood, Tony Snell. You maybe some buyout guys end up being out there and you look at them. But a lot of the guys towards the bottom of the list are just, you know, filling out the roster and giving you just another guard in the depth area because you could potentially lose a guy. And then I think if there was an off chance, just to touch on before we rank any guys, Jack, if they maybe went the taxpayer mid-level exception round, they went for a bigger, you know, Fitch, these probably aren't targets that I'd ideally have, but I could listen to the idea of it would be, you know, a Victor Oladipo or even a Pat Connington, but I don't see the Bucks letting Connington go, and I don't see, you know, Miami letting Oladipo go. I think both teams are going to look to retain those guys. 
Yeah, and it makes sense because they're sort of closer to the tweener types and they have shown meaningful minutes in the postseason. You know, both of them inconsistent at times, but they've also contributed to their team in those sort of moments. I'll throw a couple extra names out there, Nick. You know, Matt Thomas is a sort of, you know, running gun yeah. sort of type. You know, in Chicago, has had some ties to Toronto as well. You know, if you, the Nets were to lose a shooter and to just go all in on, and have a, a heap of shooters around there. Uh, and a guy like Sfima Kailuk as well is sort of provides that sort of spacing and, and a little bit younger as well, even though he's shooting, you know, the last couple of years hasn't been great. The, the prototype, you know, is that he's a, a pretty good shooter. And, you know, in Detroit, he showed um, some pretty strong spurts of that. But, yeah, there's not a, a, a lot of great names out there because, you know, Sfima Kailuk is a little bit of a younger guy. So I think that they'll probably prioritize, you know, if you're not going to have a guy that's contributing, you're probably going to be prioritizing a guy that's going to give you something in the locker room and, I think that the names like uh, I like Jeremy Lamb, as you alluded to at the top. I think an important note that I will reiterate as well: having Igor Kokoshkov there is going to, you know, add a, an extra layer to uh, the the idea of retaining Goran in in some meaningful fashion because he played, he's won a championship with him in Euro basketball. There are strong ties with Goran Dragic and Igor Kokoshkov, maybe even more so than Steve Nash and and Goran Dragic. So. The environment there for him is—he's not going to get a better one. He might get a better opportunity for a greater role, but at the same time, given what he showed for us in the postseason, he might not either. So he might choose, you know, if Miami let Oladipo go, maybe he goes there. But I don't think his options are going to be plentiful. But Brooklyn do provide him a decent enough option, and he's certainly in our sort of top five-ish if we're discounting Bruce Brown in this conversation. Yeah, I think Bruce and Kyrie you look to have back. And if you don't retain Bruce, I think the only way you can really afford to lose him is it's a sign-and-trade scenario. Because like I said before, I don't really see Bruce going to a terrible team after having you know an opportunity to go to the playoff you know, multiple years in a row. So something to kind of keep an eye on. Like you said, Gorn would be in the top five, especially when you're looking to fill that traditional backup point guard role. Because out of the guys we really listed in the target list – DeLon Wright can run the show. Austin Rivers can do it a bit too. But after that, you know, looking at a lot of the guys on the list, they're more of natural two guards. So if you lose Drogage, there could be some issue in terms of replacing him and having just a natural point guard on the roster. Obviously, you probably don't want to bring in a guy like DJ Augustine, who's very undersized, a guy like Alfred Payton, who's coming off a terrible year. So you're really hoping you can keep Drogage. And like you said, maybe the Nets will be able to, because it also would be extremely helpful if you have a guy that's played in Igor's system, understands his style and his play, to have, you know, be a vocal you know, option as a player to kind of help the other guys learn it. So I think Gorin would definitely be in my top five. I think you're probably looking at Gary Harris, uh, Wesley Matthews, DeLon Wright. Uh, then at number five, I'm not really sure. What do you think at a number five? Yeah, it's a tough one, Nick. I think that the name that you sort of touched on, Ben McElmore, is a name that I like as a as a gunner type. And I, th- I don't hate guys that can just let it fly from three and have, you know, the green light with themselves. You know, he's, his volume, you know, hasn't been under five since 2019-20 in Houston where, and he's, you know, other than, you know, a couple of seasons of 33-34%, he's around that sort of 37, has had has had moments where he's had 40%. You know, if he was to have, you know, some open shots with, with the gravity that Ben, uh, Kyrie and KD could give him, you know, you have him out there, it's just a, a pure spacing lineup, especially if the Nets were to sign and trade Seth Curry or, you know, just trade Seth Curry or to, you know, yeah, it, it gives you flexibility in terms of moving some of the other guys or at the very least, let's say, you know, you trade one of the the big three point shooters in Seth, Joe and Patty. 
now you have an ultimate reserve option if you know somebody sprains your ankle it's out a month or you know i don't even want to say that knock on wood i hope no one's injured but uh you know someone gets hurt or has to miss some time you have another offensive option i think you look at ben malcolm more for me as more of like that depth at the end you know you probably look at him from more for 11 through 15 you know considering what you already have in the guard area unless there was some type of drastic move so i think you know, when you get to the five spot, you could, you know, I could talk myself into Avery Bradley. It feels like he has some good games, some good seasons, some good moments can be impactful, especially when you don't necessarily need to count on him as much as the Lakers needed to count on him. But again, I think the guys that we're really hoping for would be obviously Goran Dragic coming back, potentially bringing Gary Harris, a DeLon Wright, or potentially even a Wesley Matthews. And then after that, I think it's just kind of like, you're hoping for whoever you sign to have a big season because they're playing in a championship situation or they're able to excel because of, you know, the amount of attention the other stars are bringing or they're just in a role that's really not that important. Look, I think that's what you sort of said. Who It sort of makes me think, who do you think, if hypothetically the Nets were, it's Dragic, Gary Harris, Wesley Matthews. Who do you think out of those three would be able to contribute most to the Nets as they're currently constructed? You know, you know, saying that Nick Claxton is back, Bruce Brown is back, same sort of roles. You might replace certain people in the rotation. Paddy goes out and in goes Gary Harris or Wesley Matthews. Maybe we should discount Wesley Matthews because it seems more unrealistic, whereas the realistic, it seems to be Gary Harris because there's been ties there before. Yep. Uh, I don't think that those rumors were put out there for no reason. Uh, and also Goran Dragic because of you know everything we've alluded to, given you know his previous ties with Steve Nash and those increased ties now with Igor Kokoshkov at the national level. Who do you think would contribute more postseason setting out of Gary Harris and Goran Dragic, Nick? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, especially if you retain Bruce Brown. I think that's where it gets a little complicated. Um, you know. It's like it's also just kind of looking at the minutes. You know, you're looking at Kyrie Irving being on the roster. You're looking at Seth Curry being on the roster. And you're looking at Joe Harris being on the roster. And ideally, all three of those guys are spending minutes at the guard spot. So if those are the guys that you're probably rolling with, you ideally want to have a defensive guy in Gary Harris. But at the same time, Gorn is attractive as a free agent because he can provide you that natural point guard skills, especially... You know, like I said, with Ben potentially, you know, missing time or Kyrie missing time, Gorn gives you somebody who can come in or on the offense and alleviate some of that pressure off Kevin Durant. You know, probably in the ideal world, you bring in Gary Harris, but based off of how things have gone for the Nets the last couple seasons, you might want to have Gorn Trogic around. And I just love the idea, I think, of having, you know, one natural point guard on the roster. And I think you could easily, uh, you know, bring in both guys. And like I said, if that led to Bruce Brown being moved in a sign trade, and then you bring in Gary Harris to supplement those minutes in that role, obviously offensively completely different players, but Gary's probably a better fit offensively with what the Nets have rather than Bruce. And Bruce at this point, I think is probably the better defender than Gary Harris as well. No, definitely. Bruce is, I wouldn't put Gary Harris on Jason Tatum for meaningful minutes, you know, in a postseason setting yeah. where We've seen Bruce Brown. You know, he had a, some early poor performances, but he also was was really good and um, on on him throughout other stretches of, of that postseason playoff series. So I think, look, I, I agree. I think both really guys you'd rather see in a bench role. You know, neither guy would be guys that you necessarily wanted to really count on. And I think with Gorn getting up there in age, he becomes a little bit more concerning going to the next season, uh, postseason, especially given what you mentioned at the top, Jack. You constantly see teams targeting players, and he'd be a guy that you would just look to target, where Gary Harris could probably still get targeted, but it wouldn't be as bad as what would happen to Dragic. So it's really kind of just, uh, I mean, 
there's not really much of a difference in terms of like who's providing that much more value. But I think it'd be easier to hide Gary Harris based off of his defense and what he can do. But again, Goran provides a skill set that's somewhat hard to find in free agency given what the Nets have. But if Ben and Kyrie are healthy majority of the season, you don't really care. Yeah, we always talk about floor ceiling here. You know, the sort of steady floor is what you alluded to with Gary Harris sort of there. I think he has more lineup flexibility yep. given the fact that you know that he has the defense, he has uh, the three-point shooting. And Goran Dragic does to an extent as well. Not the de- defense to a much lesser extent, some three-point shooting there. But his playmaking and leadership is where he, he truly does thrive. And the ability as just a competitor. I think that just is a... A, a bit of an a-hole. And I think the Nets need a little bit yep. of that. And he showed that, you know, in some of his post-game presses. And we, I think I chatted with Chris Mulholland uh, about some of the comments that he made, you know, in some of the games, you know, heading into the playoffs and whatever. And I, I think that that value could exceed, you know, the sort of steadiness, you know, ever-reliable, you know, thing that you'd probably get from Gary Harris. You know, you can play Gary Harris next to Kyrie Irving. Goran Dragic and Kyrie Irving, I'm not going to be very sort of comfortable. Not in the playoffs, at least. We saw it a That's, lot this year, but all those lineups got cooked. Exactly. So I, it's it's just a stylistic sort of thing. And unless, you know, the Nets are going to overhaul their offensive system, it, which they could, and, you know, obviously there is a new guy heading in there likely. I don't think it's been totally confirmed yet, but, um, you know, we reported it and, and discussed the report from Mark Stein. So, yeah, it, th- that's how I guess I feel about debating both of those guys. Yeah. I mean, ideally, Jack, you know, like we said, we know Seth is going to be on the roster as of right now. Cam, Joe Harris, and Kyrie Irving looks very likely. So we locked in those four. What are you thinking for the other spots? Is Bruce, you know, what's a percentage on Bruce and being back next year in your eyes? It's only above 50%. Yeah. I'd probably lean maybe even closer to 75, 80%. I think that it's it's increasingly likely that we see Bruce Brown back in a Brooklyn Nets uniform purely because of all the things we've discussed, you know, the ability to pay him, the situation he would have, you know, the, he knows he can succeed in Brooklyn, whereas a, a totally new environment, you know, Bruce Brown has a niche sort of skill set, Gary Payton, the second sort of style, you know, that, that sort of thing where it's just like, okay, can he do the same thing in a completely different system? Well, he's done it in Detroit and you're more of a sort of play, a playmaker, a, a point guard, which he did a lot as well for the Nets in, in points throughout the latter end of the season where he had the ball in his hands a lot to uh, alleviate those concerns from Kyrie and KD. So I think Bruce is much more likely to be on the Nets than he isn't because of situation, because of uh, it's basically going to be unless it's money. And even then the Nets don't uh, are sort of hamstrung because you're just going to lose him for nothing. You know, you're already deep into the luxury tax. You don't want to just lose him if we're quoting as an asset. You is nineteen million dollars for two years. You know, two years forty, two years thirty five is or, or three forty five. We've sort of discussed those numbers at length on on the previous Bruce Brown episode that we we talked about. Seventy five, eighty percent is probably where I'm I'm going towards. Nick, what about you? Yeah, I think I'm probably closer to sixty five. Just be, and that's you know, sixty-five of him being on the Nets. I think with that other thirty-five percent, it could be him leaving or in the and in trade opportunity. I think you you could potentially see you know Josiah get cheap and not want to put the money out, or also Bruce getting a crazy deal. Jack, have you had the option for the Nets to sign Goran Dragic and re-sign Bruce Brown, or sign Goran Dragic, sign and trade Bruce Brown for a minor asset and sign Gary Harris? What would you prefer? I think I would stick with what you know, Nick. You know, I, I and I think that 
Bruce Brown gives, you know, he had games in the postseason where he was our best player. You know, there were games where, and obviously that is circumstantial. I think that we, some people as Nets fans in Nets world have underrated what Bruce Brown has done. And individually, as well as within the team setting, I think he deserves a lot of credit in, in his ability to show a sense of malleability, you know, increase that three-point shot, show a little bit of playmaking here, be a, a really solid defensive force on that end of the floor. So I think Bruce Brown is a much superior player to Gary Harris. So I would rather have the better player. Yeah, I think the only thing with Bruce that just still concerns me is the fit with Ben Simmons. And then we obviously know the fit with Ben and Nick Claxton and then having three of those guys in your rotation and them probably not really being able to spend time on the floor. I think I'd really have to think about it and look at what the asset the Nets would be getting back in a Bruce Brown sign and trade or if they could make that part of a bigger deal with obviously the salary going out and use it as a tool or even create some type of trade exception to use in a different scenario. So I think that's just a type of options and flexibility you're looking for. I and I 100% agree. Bruce Brown is you know a better player than Gary Harris. I think you just look at Gary ha- Harris as potentially having more flexibility in fitting ne- better next to a Ben or a Clax. But you know you don't necessarily want to lose a good player in Bruce Brown for nothing, especially considering the Nets draft assets and what they have moving forward. So I think the guard spot in general for the Nets. It's going to be more about retention of the players they have rather than going out and getting guys. I think majority of what they'll get on the free agent market will either be depth or it'll be kind of a sign for another potential trade down the line. Like if you see them try to acquire a three-point shooter, I think that gives you the hint that you know one of those guys is out of town. But Jack, any other thoughts you're having on the guards or the free agent guards? You know, We'll obviously talk about it a little bit more as free agency gets closer, but we felt like this was probably – the least important out of all the target lists we're going to jump into. The least important position because of everything that we've discussed, given the fact that the Nets already have 40 million guards that are very similar. But, you know, obviously they can move a, a few things here and there. But, yeah, I think that prioritize getting Goran back, prioritizing keeping Bruce Brown, you know, stick with what you know and have that steadiness and, and all the qualities that we've alluded to with both of those players. Yeah, you know, it's not... This position isn't going to define the Nets' success, but it could be a part of it. Yeah, I think you just look at the Nets, and obviously this is an ideal world that Kyrie Irving is back. You have Kyrie Irving, you have Seth Curry, you have Joe Harris. You know, that's three very good guards, one elite guard in Kyrie, Joe, who's an above-average starter, and you'd probably say the same thing about Seth as well. And then you have Cam Thomas in the wings, who could potentially be another piece that you move. So it's going to just you know, be minor things. I think this would be a group I'd keep an eye on though, in terms of there being a trade where, Hey, we have a lot of good guards. Maybe we move on from one and use it to get a better wing or get an asset in which we can use a trade for a wing. But Jack, anything else before we wrap it up? No, nah, Nick, I'm looking forward to getting in the other positions and you know, hearing some more rumors and, and we'll dive in deep, but this is an evergreen one guys. So make sure you're, you're telling all your, your mates about this one. This one will be good until you know the the midweeks of June once the playoffs are all over. Check it out. We'll be doing some more going forward. Yep. Uh, good to July 1st. But Jack, as always, pleasure and big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.